Hello, and welcome to the Event Safety Podcast. I'm Danielle Hernandez. And I'm Tammy Richter. Tammy, thanks for co-hosting again. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about where event, crowd management, emergency management, and public safety all intersect. And this sort of came out of um, a presentation that Tammy, you and our guest today gave at a conference. Um, So without further ado, and not to spoil any more surprises, Our guest today is Doug Bruce. He is an event safety advisor. He works both domestically and internationally with clients doing events and uh, responding to disasters all over the world. So Doug, welcome. Welcome to the pod. Thanks, Danielle. Uh, First time caller, long time fan. (laughs) Well, we're we're thrilled to have have you with us today. Uh, Could you, well, tell us a little bit about the conference you guys did. Well, the conference we attended that we're, we're referencing right here was an emergency management conference in Texas. Um, it was held in San Antonio. And a while back, I had submitted a proposal to sort of talk about crowd management and some of the, you know, the, the wisdom of people that, that pen stuff in the ESA and the event safety guide and um, the global crowd management alliance and, and really sort of just put that content out there as sort of just here's a general thing. Here's some of the conversations we're having in our live event industry. I didn't expect it to go anywhere. I honestly forgot about the proposal. And then I got an email one day that said, hey, um, would you mind attending and and speak on this topic? And this was right around the time that the the governor's uh, task force had released their report in Texas, uh, sort of looking at the future of of safety and concert production. Um, And so I was able to partner with Tammy and we were able to deliver some really awesome content that sort of built around the framework of that report. We sprinkled in some of our magic wisdom. Uh, (laughs) Jacob, let's cut magic. (laughs) Let let me, I'm going to rephrase that. Tammy and I were able to sort of bring some experiences and some examples to the table. We were able to use some cool pictures and really get in front of an audience to illustrate what it is that we do why doing it safely is so important, and frankly, show authorities out there that there are people behind the scenes that do think about a lot of public safety stuff. Yeah. So, Tammy, you've, you've mentioned this a lot about how it's so important to have partners. Can you talk a little bit about how, how that comes to be? Yeah, I was actually really excited when uh, Doug reached out to me to partner with him on this uh, conference presentation because it was just so timely. Um, I had recently just, I've been talking with a lot of people on the public safety side and emergency management. Um, and, you know, with the conversations around those and, and being able to get together and have these forums uh, during the process of the, of the task force, you know, it was, this realization came uh, to light that there is a still a real divide between you know, emergency management, public safety, and the event organizers. And, you know, not to be naive, there are, you know, a lot of bad apples out there that are just out there to make money and they're, you know, safety is is not a priority. Um, But there's a lot of us that are out there that are very much, you know, working towards the same goal as them. And, you know, that's, I think, what Doug and I are, are really trying to advocate for and what we were really trying to get across in our presentation was that, you know, we need to start speaking each other's language and we need to start sharing our resources. And, you know, now is the time to kind of reset our industries and how we work together. What what Tammy's getting to is that 
something really important, which is events are great. Mass gatherings are amazing. They're cultural. They define human experience in some cases. They can be, you know, look at Woodstock. It, it can define a generation. But if it goes wrong, it's also a disaster, which means it is now squarely on the plate of an emergency manager or an authority in that jurisdiction. And so that's why partnering uh, is so important early on. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, put in a plug in for the little guy. You know, this is true, not just on the festival scale, but on the, the club, the theater, the mm -hmm. Shakespeare in the park, all of those things have that same dynamic where you're bringing people together and it's amazing and it can be life-changing, but also requires some coordination and planning with, with what, what happens if and when something goes wrong and how can we avoid it if at all possible. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, speaking again, just from a smaller scale years ago, I recognized that if I was friends with my fire marshal, they would have my back when I needed them. And if I needed to pull them in to have a client who wanted to do something, I was like, my fire marshal says, I can't do this. And they would come in and they're like, yeah, what she said, you can't do that. And as opposed to people who talk about having interactions with their fire marshal, where they come in and shut them down abruptly um, and arbitrarily. And that's, that's not, again, as you both said, our goals are exactly the same. We want it to be about the event, not about someone having a, a life-changing experience that's negative. Well, so fire marshals know that, unfortunately, the code that they know so well is, is I've heard the phrase written in blood, yes. which is to say it came from tragedy. And those of us yes. familiar with crowd management know about, you know, the, the, a lot of those examples Um Beverly Hills nightclub in Ohio and station nightclub fire, et cetera. So, you know, sometimes they're, they're very intent on doing things their way, but they have the best of intention. Yes. Uh, our goal as an industry is to help them understand what, what our intentions are as well. And it's been one of my joys over the last, I don't know, 10 years in focusing on event safety to see more and more of us recognizing where those things came from and advocating for ourselves and for our industry to change them. It's the whole reason the ESA exists. And frankly, ESA is not the only group working in this. ESTA is also working. I mean, all, all the organizations are, are working, or many at least, are working toward the same goal. Because again, it's it's about the show and, and the joy and or or the learning or whatever it is you're trying to communicate. It's 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 not about not about wanting to encourage tragedy. Uh, you know, so the, the, the one thing that I, I have learned, you know, the, the pandemic has been so tough on, on all of our industries, oof, Yeah. but the one thing that I feel like has come out of this pandemic is we as an industry have started talking more, um, mm -hmm. and sharing our experiences and our resources. And I learned about so many other groups outside of the ESA and the ones that we, you know, generally work with that are advocating and working towards safe events. And mm -hmm. so over the last couple of years, I feel like a lot of us have joined forces and now there's, you know, this, this bigger movement towards a culture of safety and it's super exciting. Um, and, you know, again, I just, I feel like we're at the point now where we just need to embrace our public safety and our emergency management and get them, you know, into that mix as well. So, so let's hone in on that. Um, we, we talk, we have the same goal. Mm-hmm. You guys play more in festivals than I do uh, bigger <laughs> events. So, so let's talk on that scale. H how does that happen? Wh where do you start? Who do you talk to? Well, I, something Tammy does really well, 
uh, with her organization or, or the multiple organizations she's been a part of is, is integrating some of that, whether it's ICS or, or sort of an organizational structure. And, you know, I think there's okay. an important- So hold on, ICS. Ah, the Incident Command System, which is okay. part of the National Incident Management System. And uh, John Badcock and, and Tammy yeah, did a- We have talked about it before in the pod. Yeah. Absolutely. So Google it, guys. Have a put, a, put a plug in there, but um, <laughs> you know they do a nice way of explaining it for events. But the other way I've heard it explained, which was by actually somebody at this conference, another authority, a, a gentleman, uh, I believe his name was Mark from San Antonio. He said, you know, if you get your planning uh, structure right, that when you have a bad day, you don't have to switch into a, a different structure. Um, it's all operational in the same context. So, I, Tammy, can you oh, talk a little that. bit about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know. John and I, you know, we we did talk about our um, our ICS and NIMS integration into a lot of our event plans, and it's not that we are um, compliant with ICS when we write our event plans, but we're compatible. Not only have we, you know, kind of created these ICS compatible plans, um, but we have basically created a plan that can cover a multitude of sort of situations. It's a um, a plan that, you know, if there's a fire, a lot of the same actions would, you know, come into play for, you know, an, an active shooter sort of emergency, you know, concept of operations. That's where I was going. I could remember my, my wording. I, mean, I, I think I think really where we talked about in the presentation, though, is that communication bit. I mean, it, mm -hmm. you gave the example of so I don't want to derail you, but yeah. No, no, no. I got you. I was, that's where I was going to go with it was, you know, learning each other's language and, and being able to speak that same language. Um, so, yeah, where we when we were talking in the uh, presentation in San Antonio, um, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that the people that we were speaking to, which were mostly public safety and emergency management um, professionals, understood that we as event organizers are striving to try to speak their language a little bit more so that we can have these conversations and we can have more compatible plans. Um, so when yeah. you're building your plan, mm -hmm. you use terminology that makes sense to them and yeah, then that the actions mm -hmm. would be in keeping with their procedures as well. I'm just trying to make sure I understand. So it's not completely, you know, compliant with ICS, but it's compatible. So we're using a lot of their concepts and their structures, and we're trying to make it a seamless transition for when it becomes, when it, when it stops becoming an event organizer's operational disruption that we are handling, and it moves into a situation where we have to call 911, or we have to you know, or emergency management, public safety has to come in and take over. We want that to be, you know, a really seamless transition. And you want the handoff to make sense. That's right. And and a handoff is actually part of ICS. So well done, Danielle. <laughs> Thanks. I've been listening. <laughs> but, you know, also too, you know, by us demonstrating that, you know, we are, you know, learning their language. And Doug always laughs at me because I call it the love language of emergency <laughs> management. Um, Everyone you know, has their own love language. That's right. <laughs> so we're speaking the love language of emergency management. But, you know, and, and that's what we're trying to demonstrate to, to those professionals is that we're serious about safety. We're serious about working with them. And when we can have those conversations and understand each other, it's going to make it a little bit easier to plan together and to have those relationships. You don't want the first time you ever speak to the people that are going to respond to your event 
to be a few days before or on site. You know, this is a relationship that has to be developed. And those are partnerships. And you want to know when you pick up the phone and your event control or wherever it is you are on site and you're calling for assistance from public safety, you, you want to know who those people are. You know, you want to have so, spoken with them before. Tammy, it's, I, I learned this lesson early in my career. I don't want to say the hard way, but, um, you know, I was with a group of people that were working on a festival uh, for a brand and we started having meetings and doing site visits and we, you know, rumors get around in a small town very quickly. Um, and before I knew it, I had an emergency management professional basically saying, hi, I'd like to be involved because it sounds like you're bringing a lot of people to a town of 400 and some. And, uh, you know, and it was like, yeah, yeah. So um, by building that relationship, and this is a small example, but you know, we were able to produce a successful festival and I couldn't have done it without the emergency management professional, which in turn launched a piece of my career, which I, I am forever grateful for. So I, I think it's, it's part about speaking that language. It's part about building that relationship. And it's also part of when they come into control or they show up with your incident commander and say, what's going on, that the people on the ground that are feeding that information, uh, you know, are, are trustworthy and built into your structure already. Um, I want to nod something before we, we leave too far from the conference. So speaking of this conference was, was great. Uh, it was an awesome opportunity. I think good professionals are always learning and they're always trying to participate in the conversation. It's never done. It's always evolving. You know, and, and Tammy and I even said that, you know, there's an opportunity to, to shadow those professionals or they want to come out uh, to an event if it's appropriate and, and the clients, you know, can approve all that. I think getting a better understanding of what we're looking at, you know, whether it's a detail like crowd barrier layout, whether it's how we're running the back of house, the occupational health and safety, how does the command and uh, control structure look, you know, we, on, on a big event, or maybe it's one event where it's just an agenda's closet and somebody's uh, sort of just running a radio there to keep some notes. So, and that can be at a school theater or, or whatever. So on any level, I think building that relationship uh, is really important. I, I that just you. made me all kind of warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> you know, and, and we speak to, um, you know, us learning more of the language of emergency management um, and public safety, but, Likewise, we, we want them to learn about us. We want mm -hmm. them to see, you know, what we are capable of, you know, all the resources that we've been working on for years and years, the ANSI standards, you know, that was one of the, you know, great things that we're like, look, we have standards, national standards in crowd management. And, you know, there's, there's many of them out there. And these are the things that we want them to know that are out there so that we can kind of start working on the same plane and consistently across the United States. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the things that came out of the task force uh, here locally in Texas was that there is a real disparity in the permitting process. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and as we talked to people, you know, it was, you know, abundantly clear that we really need to do some work in, in that area. And so through that process of talking about, you know, what should be included in a permitting process, we were able to put together a huge bank of, of resources. Yep. And I think on both sides, we were just like, wow, there's so much out there. There's yeah, so much that we can use. Amazes me that when when we work collaborative when we work collaboratively, 
how much we learn from from each other. And and that's not just in crowd management. That can be with a production company where you all of a sudden you learn a better way to do something that you did before. And that permit thing is, came out of conversations like, oh, this this is an opportunity for us to improve something. Uh, and, and that's that's fantastic. Um, can we talk a little bit about the effect of, and this is moving a little bit away from the conference, but uh, it's affecting the industry as a whole. Let's talk about the staffing shortages and, and basically feeling like we're starting over, uh, not just with crew, but with all levels of staffing and all kinds of staffing, including the people that you would partner with in um, emergency management and public safety, all the way down to your it's, it's guy a on the secret. gate. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's dirty to talk about. I mean, we need yeah. to as an industry because we're seeing shortages. Um, public safety, you're probably seeing it. Um, they've, we've, we've heard that. But, you know, it's, it's also, it, our industry is one that teaches not through an academy or, or through a degree, it's through experience. And so, you know, when you, there, there are things that you have to have a sense of, um, you know, in, uh, in some show environments, uh, whether it's through shadowing or mentorship or just being on the ground uh, just repeatedly. And, you know, it worries me a little bit. I, I always like seeing new faces. I encourage crossover and cross training and bringing new people in. All of that's amazing. Um, but, you know, you can't find yourself in a position where you're short of people that know what's going on. Right. Because it's dangerous and, and seeing it um, across the board when you don't have the mentor to say, Hey, that needs to be set up there because of this, you're, you're missing something. Um, and how, you know, so I live more in production than crowd management. Uh, wh what are some of the things to look out for in more emergency planning and crowd management? Just because it's the reality that these, that we're in this situation. So how are, do you guys have any suggestions and strategies? I'm or kick this to, to Tammy, but yeah. Ultimately, you know, in our presentation, um, not to keep going back to that, but we started with design in the, the DIME-ICE model. Um, and I think the expectation piece and the design piece, so much can be mitigated with proper design, proper communication, you know, things that are actually not crowd control type perspectives, but actual, um, you know, things that need to be conversations preceding the event. I'm actually going to piggyback on that because Doug is absolutely correct, you know, a lot of, um, and I'm not going to say it'll solve staffing issues, but it could help mitigate needing more staff than is, is technically really needed by having smart designs at your event site. Um, and then I kind of want to take a step back too and say, you know, the, the staffing shortage right now, it's, it's almost a blessing and a curse. And what I mean by that is that you know, it's a curse because we're, we're shorthanded, you know, we're, we're having a hard time filling the spots that we need to fill. Um, but we also, in, in the blessing sense of it, we have an opportunity to train a whole new, you know, group of people the right way. Yeah. Um, we also have this opportunity to innovate and sort of rethink mm -hmm. how we do things. It's like, yeah, perhaps, you know, you didn't need 17 bodies at that gate. Maybe you yes. needed 12 mm -hmm. and you did it more effectively a hundred percent and i've i've actually experienced this i i just there was a an event that i worked that you know i had a huge no-show right but i sat down and i said okay 
And this was I have before this. the event. Yeah. yeah, this was before the event. I said, you know, what are my bare bones? What would, what is my ideal? And, you know, what is that sweet spot in the middle sort of thing? You know, and so I kind of had a plan for all the scenarios. Um, and I think everybody should have that plan, the what ifs, because no matter how much you plan for, you know, your on-site staff, I, I kind of feel like at this point, you just need to plan for a good percentage of those people not showing up. Um, it's, it was across the board. It wasn't one particular group. It was across the board and it's not, and it's not in one particular place. It's across the globe. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that it's going to, that's going to take a bit to get back to where we were, where we have, you know, the abundant, um, numbers that we've, we've become accustomed to. You know, the other thing is too, with the, the, the staff shortages, it's just not our industry. Public safety seeing it too. And they're seeing it. They, they've been through hell the last couple of years, just as we have. And, a lot of the people that we've worked with for many years, and we built these relationships over these years, they've moved on, they've retired, they've gone into other industries. And so we're having to build from the, the ground up some of these long time relationships that we were used to having. And, you know, and I think this is, again, a really good opportunity to show those who are not used to working with event producers just how much we want the same things as they do. You know, we, we want that duty of care. You know, we want to support good practices. We want to ensure the safety of our audience and our workforce. And I'm pretty sure those are all the same things that they want to. And the feedback we got was really positive. Um, it was a lot of people called it, you know, sort of eye-opening or they seem to to realize that there's so many facets to our, our industry that we barely even scratched the surface of. We Honestly, it was referenced that we could do four hours on it and, and we probably could. Um, I, I guess what it really comes down to though is there are a tremendous amount of resources out there. Um, some of which we were able to reference uh, for participants and many are linked through the ESA and we can, we can post some more of those. You know, Teeks is out there. If you wanna learn how to do basic incident command stuff, wait, take wait, a wait, wait. course. Teeks? Well, it's part of the Texas A&M system. It's uh, T E E K S. Yeah. T -E okay. Part of Texas A&M. They offer a couple of courses that are government funded, DHS funded. Um, they're kind of written for the arena and kind of fixed venue crowd, but um, there's a lot of really good information there from the DHS perspective. Teeks is great, um, but there's also, you know, I, and, and I think we referenced this as well during our podcast with uh, talking about ICS and NIMS. Mm -hmm. and there's just so many online resources that are free of charge or fairly minimal um, yep. and, and, you know, cost-wise. And of course, there's all the ESA um, resources as well. Um, all the ANSI standards are actually linked through the ESA, which is a really great reference. And I encourage anybody who hasn't read those to read them. They're easy reads. They're not... You're not reading a book, um, but I, if you're an event organizer or, you know, on the public safety side, get in there and read those. So the um, IVAM also offers a lot of uh, good stuff. There's a crowd mm -hmm. management course, sort of, again, aimed at fixed venue security, but lots of great uh, uh, cool. stuff there. There's a two, it's a two-part course. One's designed to be taken um, in the in the field, and the other one is, is sort of online. Um you know, the one thing I want to, I'm sorry, Doug, to hop in, you know, all these resources, amazing. But I kind of want to um, make a call out to all of those really seasoned event professionals out there too. 
and take somebody who's new to the industry under your wing and guide them, give them some really good real world knowledge. If you have the opportunity to bring them on site and, and show them the on-site bit of what they're learning online, that is going to build our next industry workforce. And that's going to build a really strong foundation uh, moving forward for the events industry. Tammy, I have that in my notes. It's like, it's almost like a pen pal, like find a buddy, yeah. you know, exchange ideas. You know, if you're an event producer and, uh, or you're an authority and you want to, you know, find somebody who can kind of show you the other side, um, you know, it may not answer every question, but find that other person that'd be willing to go to their event and then have them at yours and, and mm-hmm. sit in their, in their sort of their production office and see what problems they have and how they solve them and vice versa. And, you know, that, that exchange of information and knowledge can be very, very beneficial. Tammy, you're, you're dead on. Yeah. You know, I've, 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 I've done this. I've reached out to, you know, emergency management uh, professionals through LinkedIn and through other connections. And I've gone and I've sat in their, their control rooms um, or their emergency operations centers. And I've seen how they work and it has just been such an eye opener. Um, You know, I've had the opportunity to walk around with safety advisors like Doug on other events and see what they're looking at and see what they, that's, that's that's amazing to go to with somebody who's seeing things differently than you see them. And you're looking at the same thing, but you're seeing different consequences. Mm-hmm. And, and it works both ways. Sometimes if, if I'm walking around with somebody who's pretty new in the industry, they ask me a question that just rocks my socks off Yeah, because I've seen it one way for 20 something years and they're seeing it totally differently. I was like, Oh, what a great point. So and there's so much jargon we use thrust and mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> barricades and all this. Yeah. Yep. I mean, barricades, we could talk about barricades for, okay. I have so many questions about barricades, but this is not that podcast. <laughs> you know, and we see different things, you know, mm-hmm. public safety sees different things than the event organizer. You know, when you're walking through a site, I, I mean, I barely can go to an event anymore because I, and I have to put my oh, blinders yeah. on because I'm like, oh, look at that trip hazard, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's just like, look at <laughs> You know, and I, they're looking at perimeters and security and, and medical and, you know, those sorts of things. So, you know, if bringing those things together and opening our arms to each other, I know that sounds super cheesy, but it, it's, I'm serious. You know, it's like, we just have to start communicating both ways. Working, uh, you know, in the emergency management community, both prior to the pandemic and during, you know, I've had the opportunity to sit in the EOC during, you know, uh, response to violence or response to a wildfire um, situations like that. And and you get a really good sense that we're all doing kind of the same the thing, same we're thing. bringing in resources, we're tracking them, we're, we're, we're you know, you're, you're paying we're for it, them. you're communicating we're it, you're them. messaging. Um, and, and there's a lot of synergy there. So I, I feel really good about that. So, so we've talked about resources um, and, and free resources. And I think that the key thing is that some of the best resources we have are other people doing things in the same area. That's the other thing is sharing resources. I think some of the biggest eye-opening moments between our two industries have been, oh wait, you have what? And yeah. <laughs> oh wait, you can do what? And it's, you know, it's it's a huge thing when we can share resources. You know, one of the things about events is normally we have a lot of people on the ground, you know, safety and numbers kind of thing, right? And so 
you know, we can help assist in certain situations with the resources we have as, as event organizers. We can assist public safety and vice versa. You know, CCTV, always huge and helpful to, to public safety um, if they don't have their own eyes on the ground. Um, weather weather monitoring. Weather monitoring. You know, it's it's not, a, you know, I'm, I'm going to preach to the choir here to our event organizers. It's not always the, just the app. You got to have a little bit more than the app if you're doing a, a large event. You know, and, and, you know, those sorts of resources that we can pull from each other are huge. For any new listeners, what Tammy's referencing with the, with the reference to the app <laughs> is that we're not now casting that we're engaging professional support or using the National Weather Service through the local emergency management or however, but we're not making isolated decisions based on, you know. On a weather app from your phone. Mm-hmm. Or product, yeah. 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 Yes. Our, our, our ESA friend, Kevin Clazel, meteorologist, would call you an atmospheric science scientist, <laughs> which is not um, not a real thing. So. <laughs> so, yeah, you can't you it. can't just use an app. Uh, yeah, it, it can be it can be a data point. Absolutely. It can be a reference, but it, use it, your app in conjunction with in conjunction with uh, resources. Yeah. 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 But again, going back to the planning aspect, you know, I mean, just the fact you're sitting down at a table, whether it it is a, a discussion or you invite your your um, your authorities to a tabletop or they invite you to one of theirs, you know, just to say yes, we have this resource, or you know, you have this resource, or how how is whose decision is it going to be? Let's engage that part in the planning process so um, everybody's kind of clear on that sort of thing. And you know, this is this is another um, aspect of of the planning process and and. In, I know we, we've mentioned it before, but I'd like to reiterate that the, um, especially for large scale events, exercises, the tabletop exercises, scenario based exercises, getting everybody in the room and, and at the literal table mm-hmm. um, and, you know, practicing our responses with each other and how we work together, again, integral to, you know, having more seamless transitions during our, during our events, you know, and, and you know, a lot of times we speak to the large scale, but as you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, this is scalable. So you can, you can reel that back into, you've just had a conversation with the local sheriff and you've identified, you know, who you would call in, in the event of a fire or, you know, other, what other, other kind of emergencies that you're having. You've at least had some contact, you know, if it's you throwing a, a, a massive graduation party, at least, you know who you're calling. You've posted some numbers somewhere. It's it's scalable. You know, so, so, but the idea is just having that communication, having a plan. Yeah. So so I want to reel way back, uh, assuming that some of our listeners don't have anything to do with this, um, <laughs> but are interested and wouldn't know where to start. Can we just really basics? Who are yeah, we talking so I, I, about? I've got a good one for this, just to really reel it back. So I consider myself a successful student of the ESA. I started following the ESA a few years into my career, um, very early on, 2012 or so. And then, you know, I've gone through the weather uh, summit. I've attended conferences and been able to soak up some of that, the brilliant knowledge in the room. But I say that not to talk about myself, but the fact that at the time I was producing like small experiential uh, sites, you know, where, where you're an event within an event, maybe you have a staff of 10 people or something. And, you know, your plan, your trigger charts and your weather awareness could be a one page sheet. So it, it really is scalable to every level. So 
let's say something you're, you're planning something and, and you need to figure out who you need to talk to. So is the sheriff who you talk to? Do you, how do you talk to, how do you talk to a sheriff? You know what? It takes a little bit of, you know, pounding pavement, just kind of figure out what that path is. So, you know, the first thing, you know, if, if it's in your hometown, maybe you have an idea, but if you're planning an event um, somewhere else, you know, start looking for their website, first of all, see if there's a website, see if there's, see if there's a permitting office, um, see, you know, if there's an events um, section, if you're in a, you know, one stoplight town, it might be the sheriff that you're going to talk to, but, you know, start just picking up the phone, sending emails, maybe even and going to, down to the, the local city office and saying, this is what I'm looking to do. I want to make sure that I'm doing it safely. Um, who can I speak to about, permitting and emergency services, resources, things of that sort. Just opening the initial door is your yeah. first step. And, and, and sometimes that's the hardest step mm-hmm. because you don't know Absolutely. where to start. The world is big. Yep. You just have to start somewhere though, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's doing your due diligence to find out who it, who it is that you need to speak to, but you should speak to somebody, always speak to someone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I've seen the permit process vary. I've seen it have to go through a big website. I've seen it have to be, you know, reviewed by a local police chief. It it kind of depends on um, ultimately who's in charge, whether that's you know fire code or or the sheriff ultimately oversees the 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 fire um, in that jurisdiction. But those people, generally speaking, are very happy to engage with you uh, if if you approach them the right way. You know what they're going to be the most upset about is if you throw a big old kegger concert, whatever, on somebody's land and an emergency happens and there's been no communication, they're not going to be upset that you're reaching out to them to plan a safer event. I, I can't imagine a situation where that would ever happen. Okay. So that's helpful. I find that helpful because it gives me a, a place to, to start if I was doing something ad hoc in, in a random place. Uh-oh. I do want to throw this out there. We had people attend our conference, like a lot of public authorities, but like some of them were from airports, right? Cause we're talking mm-hmm. about crowd management. So I don't, Danielle, maybe there's a question in there for you, but like, you know, crowd management can be so many different things to so many different people. Sure. So, so that's, you know, I took uh, Eric Stewart's crowd management class uh, in the, in March. It was fantastic. Highly recommend if you guys have the opportunity to take that class. That is awesome. And, and I, I had my 16-year-old daughter. I had her ticket too. She's studying technical theater right now. So I was like, this, this is potentially career adjacent. It's all good information to have. Since that experience, she notices things. We were at the Georgia Aquarium recently. And she noticed on the moving walkway, the emergency stop on the side. And she pointed it out to me because escalators and moving sidewalks have emergency stops are required to have so that you don't have people piling up at the end. She now notices those things. I hadn't noticed that thing on that one, but she points it out. And it's the sort of thing where it's an example of crowd management in the wild. Uh, We noticed a bunch of that at the aquarium, where the messaging is, how they manage ingress, how they manage egress, how they control the flow throughout their exhibits and through their shows. They have a bunch of shows, and I would swear this is relevant, that involve water, you know, sea lions that splash water on the floor. 
they control egress. They keep everybody seated and they dismiss one section at a time after they've put up the wet floor signs and are, have people in place monitoring egress traffic after each of these shows. And it's all very, very well planned. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not a show. And wayfinding. I mean, we, yes. you know, this, the crowd management stuff applies to airports and we had some people that attended and, and had inquiries with, with that because they, they do that. I mean, if you, if you go to a theme park in Florida and, you know, they have a, they have a crowd issue at a pinch point, they can figure out a solution for that. And then that lives for 50 years time or however long that that's exactly. something they have engineered. Whereas in the temporary event world, you know, we have moments to figure it out and then it's on Monday morning, it's struck and it's gone. So right. it's, it's about, yeah. for me, it's about knowing that, anticipating it, capturing it and documenting it and then retraining it so that, yeah. you know, those problems. And, and that's where crowd management professionals, um, you know, are, are so good at what they true professionals, uh, Emma and others. Yeah. And that's where you go out and you see at the airport or at an amusement park or at the aquarium, you see people that doing this every single day on a fixed site, Mm -hmm. how they solve those problems. It gives us some great tools to incorporate into our temporary um, structures and events. But I also love- I'm sorry, Doug, go ahead. I'm sorry, Tammy. Danielle, I love your point about seeing the e-stop or seeing some of the stuff, because one of the things that should be in everybody's safety briefing on site, even, you know, if it's a, a construction site or, or of, of your a venue or, or a school group traveling to Washington, you know, make sure you're looking for every point you, you pass an AED and then tell someone, point it out, you know, first aid, if there's a stop the bleed kit, if there's ADA access in case, you know, someone maybe can't quite keep up with the rest of the group. You know, there's so many examples that these, these learnings are, are useful. Tammy? I was just going to say, you know, again, kind of going back to the, the resources that are available, you know, you took the, the, the crowd management symposium. I took that several years ago. Absolutely amazing. And I remember so much from it, even though it's been years ago, but it, but it does, it gives you that awareness when you're out, you see things again. It, it's like, oh, I can never go to an event again. Cause we've got my blinders on and, you know, um, but you know, I think that's a good thing. And I'm going to reference the ANSI standard again on crowd management, because again, we're going back to these standards, right? If we could, you know, continue to teach people these standards, um, you know, no matter what industry you're in, then we could start, you know, having more consistent crowd management practices across the United States and the globe. And that gives you us know? more consistent experiences mm-hmm. and lowers right. our risks and uh, tragedy thresholds. Absolutely. And I think that's what's important. It's like we have to start making sure that people know that this exists. This is out there. It's available for our use um, and it's available for any other industry to use as well. All right. So we're going to come up on the end of this now. Uh, if you'd like to send me an email, email address is podcast at eventsafetyalliance.org. I'd love to hear from you. Um, I want to thank Doug for sharing all of his wisdom today and Tammy, you as well. This is a very, very interesting uh, topic. And I think there's more to talk about here um, as, as we learn more and as we develop more tools. Um, Doug, do you have any final thoughts or ideas you'd like to share? I just think we've, we've hit on something that's so important in this, this industry, which is opening doors to each other and, and really building communication. Uh, I, think that's, I think that's excellent. I think, I think you're, you hit the nail on the head. We learned we're stronger together. Tammy, any, any final observations? 
you know, the the conference that Doug and I were at, um, our room was was standing room only. And that tells me that there, there's yeah, there's it was, an appetite for it. There's an appetite for it. And we're here to to feed you. So, yeah. you know, please, you know, use us as you will to to get as much information out of us as, as you want. Yeah, one of the people that responded said, we forwarded this to other people in our school district and others who attend regular stadium games. It's like, oh, I'd never thought that that was, yeah. So there, there's a lot there. So <laughs> I'm going to uh, thank you guys again. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up and Thanks, stay Danielle. safe, everybody. I've offended the queen, so <laughs> I didn't mean to. It wasn't on purpose. <laughs>